at no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Good afternoon and good morning. We have lots of rational thoughts to cover today. I've got a wonderful guest on today, man. This, uh, She's a current CEO master chair for Visage Worldwide, which is the world's leading CEO peer advisory board in Orange County. She's been a senior executive with companies like IBM, Xerox, Gallup, and worked with CEOs in Fortune 500 companies globally, setting strategic direction and leadership development. Our guest today is a founder of Corporate Development Consulting and Center for Applied Emotional Intelligence in Southern California. Boy, does Cousin California need more emotional intelligence? Uh, she's worked with organizations globally, improving their leadership effectiveness, strategic planning, and employee productivity. She is the author of Role of Emotional Intelligence and Conflict Management in the Workplace, as well as an Amazon best-selling author. And her book is called The New Currency of Leadership. And she was the host of a live TV show on KRLA, The Work Doctor, and TV programs throughout Southern California. Welcome to our show today, the esteemed Dr. Miriam Malik. What a buildup. How you doing, Miriam? I know. I'm, I'm, I can't live up to that, but thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. So listen, we've got a lot to cover today in a short period of time. We've known each other for a while. So some of the questions I may chat with you about, you're like, Doug, you know that, you know me. But that's okay because the people watching today may not. That's so fine. Xerox, Gallup, IBM, all that corporate stuff, and now all the things in your resume about emotional, intelligence, and leadership. What mm -hmm. caused the, uh, the transition there? Well, there was not really a transition. It was just going from large corporate America to not wanting to be there anymore. And, and that really was, was, uh, was what made me write the book, was the lack of uh, EQ in many of the larger organizations, the politics, and um, how it made people feel. I have never been happier in my life. And that's because I'm not working for one of those large corporations. What I'm doing now is the most fulfilling thing I've ever done in my life, which is working with CEOs in the Orange County, Los Angeles area, trying to help them become a better version of themselves, as well as, as we know, leaders have a, a rippling effect uh, on the organization. So since they are the CEO of the organization, they have a major role in um, the lives of the people that work for them. So what I'm trying to do is trying, you know, the byline of my company is making work a better place. And it really comes from the place of not having been happy for so long when I was working for the larger corporations. And I wanted to make sure that since we spend so much of our time at work, that we are enjoying it. And so I thought about, I was teaching at uh, Pepperdine and at Chapman University, and I was working with students, but I realized it was from bottom up, and I really need to do from top down in order to make that difference. Actually, it needs to be from you know, uh, all directions. But the CEOs of a company really do set the tone for the culture of the organization and the impact that it has on people's lives. So. Love it. Love it. Amazing. Yeah. You know, I, people talk about, they toss the word out, you know, CEO, corporations, and whatnot. 
but I'm always pretty impressed with what these corporations really are in terms of employing, you know, hundreds of not thousands of people. And these people are responsible for a lot of families, whatnot. Right. Um, can you give people who don't know this stage, give them a little rundown on what you do and the, and the types of companies you actually work with? Yeah. Um, basically, uh, Vistage is a peer advisory board. It's a private peer advisory board and it's CEOs of mid-sized companies that um, we get together once a month. And the whole idea is how can we collectively make each other's lives better, come up with best practices and really question each other about the decisions that we are making. And uh, we bring speakers that really talk to vulnerability, accountability, and um, every phase from finance to people management and self-development. And I think that if I were ever, which I hope I never do, but if I were ever going to work for a company, if their CEO is not in a program like this, I would never do it. I, I really think that running a company without having some sort of an accountability from a peer advisory board is really malpractice. Uh, none of us are that smart um, alone, but we can be a lot smarter collectively. Nice. You know, I was always fascinated by the one conversation we had years ago, because I know you're working with people who run like, you know, 10, 20, 50, 100 million dollar companies. And the topics must be pretty interesting. You know, we've got HR from a very high level or big finance and strategy, whatnot. And you mentioned that when you have your one-on-ones with them, mm -hmm. it was always the personal crap that going through that you're working. Is that still true? Yeah. I mean, yes, there are some tactical things that um, lead to um, the finance of the company. But even the finance or people management, really the root of it is, um, is a personal what is your personal constitution that causes you to take risk or not? What is your personal constitution that causes you to tolerate poor performance? Um, and so we, we go through all of that. At the end of the day, it's about how that individual feels about being a leader, how they feel about themselves, what are the trigger points that they have, what are the challenges that they're not facing, and um, good, bad, and ugly, I'm, I'm somebody who mirrors that for them and, and kind of shows them what I see from outside. And wow. yeah. So here's I, how ugly you I, are. You I have someone like that for me, you know? Uh, I think yeah. it's really important. Everybody needs to have a mirror. And uh, every once in a while, there are smudges on our mirror and somebody needs to help us use Windex and clean that up. <laughs> <laughs> or a big hammer and break the mirror. No, no let's not do that. No, okay. Um, and this leads me to my, my big question about your book, which I had the honor to, to work with you on that. But um, can you tell us about that? I mean, the, where it came from and what it's about. Yes. Um, thank you very much for having helped me um, you know, I publish that. I really, really appreciate all of your help. Uh, the book really came, again, from a um, couple of decades of working in organizations and recognizing some of the things that were not addressed well. And they were the soft skills that needed to be there, but they weren't. Uh, for example, communication, the culture, and motivation, and those kinds of stuff. And sometimes when you go through an MBA program, a lot of focus is on the financing and the financial well-being of an organization and the responsibilities to the shareholders. But what happens to the responsibility to the people that work there? 
And so that's really what I wanted to focus on. What are some of the things that um, leadership can do in order to have a better organization? And those are the, the softer things that are not financial. So Yes. But the and the way you you framed it up, however, it was unlike anything I've ever seen before, because you call it the new currency of leadership and mm -hmm. you outline these cultural, innovative community things as actual currencies in a company, yeah. which might resonate more with the MBA mindset of looking at bottom line and spreadsheets right. saying, well, there's also a currency of community right. or innovation, yeah. right? Exactly. Because, you know, you can't just look at the balance sheet and 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 that kind of stuff, because if the culture is faulty, people are not going to be as productive. They're not going to show up. So the retention isn't going to be all of those will have an impact on the bottom line. So the new currency is how are we measuring the things that do actually contribute to the bottom line? And those things are, are people motivated? Are they engaged? Or is there good communication going on? If there's not good communication, you may not know as a, as a leader what's going on, you know, in the front lines. And so you may miss out opportunities or make mistakes. And right. so, yeah. Yeah. it all so, comes yeah. to the bottom line. It, it totally makes sense. Um, you know, theoretically, of course, because it's easy to measure, you know, ones and zeros and, and bottom line numbers. Right. How do you measure the, the currency of innovation, for example? Bottom line. It still comes down to bottom line. I mean, I am working with all of my Vistage um, CEOs on those new currencies. So mm -hmm. when we sit down, we talk about um, teamwork, when we talk mm -hmm. about accountability, when we talk about motivation, when we talk about communication, all mm -hmm. of those, they can see the results. They can see the engagement. They can see the retention of their employees. It costs money to replace people. Right. So retention has a currency associated with it. And so yeah. when they can actually measure all of that, and actually Gallup has done a, a, a fabulous job yeah. of actually taking those um, such as uh, commitment, motivation, engagement, et cetera, mm -hmm. and, and, and translating it into dollars and measuring it. And so I think that is, that is really critical. Okay. That's interesting. So, I, I'm guessing, you know, Gallup surveys was the first thing that comes to mind. So they got really good at that. What was the, out of all those currencies in your book, what's the hardest one to measure the leading indicator on? Maybe that's a better way to phrase a question. I am not sure I understand the well, question. Well, there's a leading indicator and lagging indicator. Lagging indicator yeah. is, yeah, bottom line went up, easy. We, we did this one program with community outreach, our branding increased, and our bottom line went up 5%. That could be easily measured, I suppose. But if you got more than one thing going on, which you probably do, how do you know what it was that actually triggered the increase in the bottom line? That's a good question. I really don't know if I've gone into, I mean, mine is not a scientific, let mm -hmm. me prove to you. It's, it's, okay. it's using the data that was available to support it. So mm -hmm. I didn't do the research. I just did the supporting factors that, that contribute to it. Okay, that's great. Cool. Okay, um, and I understand that when you're uh, working with your your visit chairs, you've got CEOs, and you also have people who are not CEOs. You still have the uh, executive yes. group. Yes, I actually have 
um, <laughs> too many groups, but it's really good. I have the key executive group, which is people that report into the CEOs. Mm -hmm. And now I'm starting another one called, uh, it's called advancing leaders. These are the people that report into the key execs. So I am able to look at the organization from top, middle and the bottom. And that way, sometimes you wonder if they all work for the same company, because when I'm talking to the key execs, they see the issue one way. When I talk to the CEOs, they don't see that at all. And so for me to have the visibility to the organization where I could see how the different levels um, may be different in respect to culture, communication, uh, priorities, and, and strategy helps me work with them to help them align. And I think that that's really critical. You can't just work with CEOs and think you've got it done. You've got to know what's going on in the front line. You've got to know what's going on in the middle management and then really see where the gaps are. What, what about the, you, how many different, I mean, I don't know how you, how many groups do you have right now? I have five. Five groups and, and total number of people you're working with then is about? 100. Oh my gosh. I know. It's great, though, and, and I know I'm working a lot, but yeah. it's almost like when I, if I think about, okay, if I were to work less, which group would I cut? I can't. It's like giving up a child. Yeah. I have five beautiful babies. I don't want to give up any of them. I, I've gotten really close to all of my members, and uh -huh. I, I feel that there is you know, movement in what right. they're doing in their personal growth, professional growth. Right. Um, I feel very responsible to be there for them. Yeah. Okay, so I want to hear about your problem child then. <laughs> Which, you know, no, don't name names, but I want to know like what your biggest challenge has been recently of uh, your members that you've helped them with. I, I, I'm, I'm not working with problem childs anymore. I, my life, it's, it's my job. I'm not an infirmary. I am working with people that are truly dedicated to their growth and I work with them. I honestly don't have a problem child. The only thing, if, if there was anything, I would say it's sometimes at meetings it's like herding cats. And um, they have a lot of priorities uh, competing for their attention when they come to the meeting. And so I've got to make it really interesting for them to stay um, focused. Um, okay. But that's it, yeah. Okay. All right. So we'll leave up no problem, Childs, because you're working with with winners and leaders. That's good. Yeah. Um, what's been the what's been the largest or the most dramatic improvement you've seen with one of your members? You don't have to mention name, but a, a whole story would be really cool. Okay. Um, there was somebody that I've been working with who mm -hmm. had severe anxieties about mm -hmm. failure, for mm -hmm. example, and not wanting to take risks. And what kind of company did the person represent where they work with? What was it? The, the industry, not the name, but like. Um, housing, let's put it that okay. way. Housing. And what size a company was? I'm trying to get a perspective. It's about a $20 million company. Okay. And uh, working with the CEO, we discussed what were some of the, the challenges that, you know, she was facing. And a lot of them came from, um, you know, fear. And I think most of us, we get in our own way. And I think it was um, being in the group, watching other people take chances that, for example, she was not comfortable taking and recognizing, wow, it's costing me. Um, this, this fear that's, that's enveloped me all these years is costing me millions of dollars. 
And so working with her, we got to the root of what was going on. It took a couple of years to get there. It was, it was not as clear to her as it was to me. And so I have to be patient and make sure that I bring them along and go at their speed and maybe push them a little bit. Um, but it's been amazing. And, and she, bless her heart, she tells me that her husband and, and her daughter say, you can never leave this group because they have seen the dramatic change it has made in her decision-making, but also about how she shows up in life, uh, which is a lot happier, a lot more hopeful, and much more positive about life. So I think and that's that's very heartwarming to me. Great, absolutely. Did she see much uh, uh, improvement in her business or personal absolutely. life? Absolutely. I think she's doubled in the past eight years that we've been working together. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah, wow. I mean that's the other thing. Um, I think you know if you look at the statistics for Vistage, mm -hmm. the Vistage members grow 2.2 times their competitors that are not in a Vistage group. So wow. you, yeah, you can actually measure the difference. Yeah, know, that's difference. that's a heck of a that's a heck of a testimony. Okay, so that's have you had any anybody who uh, you just couldn't get out of their own way and just stayed flat for a while or yeah has, yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, and sometimes you just, you know, I tell them, hey, if you don't want to grow, maybe this is not a good use of your time and money. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they will say, yeah, maybe they'll step out. And or sometimes it's a wake up call for yeah. them to say, oh, somebody's calling me on my. Yeah. OK. Yes. <laughs> Figure it out. Yeah. All right. That's great. Um, The book is called New Currency of Leadership by Mary Malik. Number one bestseller, by the way. And uh, I'd like to ask you one closing question, Miriam. It's uh, where are you going? What's next? You got 100, 100 babies or five children, five, 100 grandchildren. You've been doing this for a while. You're a top visit chair. What's uh, what's next for you? I don't know if there needs to be a next. I am so happy doing what I'm doing and um, just watching people, you know, either retire or exit their business with a lot of money is fantastic. And then filling yeah. that space with new people. Um, I think my biggest challenge is running out of capacity. So yeah, you have really any, any to have. Yeah. Well, any, yeah. can you leverage that somehow, bring in a partner or anything or not? How's that work with you guys? I, I'm the secret sauce, baby. <laughs> that's right. <clears throat> okay. That's great. Mary Malik, best-selling author of new currency of leadership and one of the top business chairs, I think, in the organization. You certainly buy quantity, quality, and any other measurement tool they have there, right? So thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate you. Loved having you um, ask me, and I'm very glad that I was here. Thank you so much, Doug. I really you bet. My pleasure. Okay. Don't forget to subscribe. Click uh, click below here or go to Spotify, YouTube, or iTunes. Subscribe to our show, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks so much.